For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the January 2nd, 2017 edition of the Roto-World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, getting ready to go over some season-long fantasy hoops. With me to do so is Ryan Canas. What's up, man? Nothing. Happy to be back after taking a, a little Christmas hiatus last week. Nice. Yeah, how, how was your trip? Uh, it was great. Yeah, I got to see a lot of family in Jersey. My sister's family came down from Western Canada, so... Uh, yeah, nice to have have everyone under one roof. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's get down to this. Man, there's some interesting stories in the NBA right now. Um, I mean, the boogie comments are getting overblown as expected. But really, I thought the the big story of the weekend was Rajon Rondo getting benched in the second half and then getting a straight DMP CD over Michael Carter Williams or under Michael Carter Williams and Jerry Grant. So what do we make of this? I know you you and I are very much team no Rondo, uh, as are most of the people who cover fantasy. So, yeah. I mean, if you have Rondo, and I'm pretty sure most people listening to this probably don't if they value our opinions, but if you do, what what are you doing with Rondo right now? Like, What can you do? Um, yeah, well, I, I ended up with him, believe it or not, in one league. Oh, wow. um, as I believe most people do, you, if you have a sort of punt free throw uh build going and then rondo is sitting there and round eight round nine you just kind of pick him up and hope for the best um i i cut him immediately as soon as he got benched i'm like i'm not gonna put up with this um given his track record and what's going on there i mean to bench a veteran like him and then expect this to get better before it gets worse is just wishful thinking um so even if he's traded, who knows how long that's going to be. You're not going to hold him until the deadline uh, in the hopes that he goes somewhere. And, you know, it, it's it's just a messy situation. And he has so many caveats already with his poor percentages, <laughs> high turnovers. I'm just, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, I mean, he's not even top 150 per game. So, I mean, it's not you're cutting a guy that you're going to miss. 37% from the field, 52% from the line. What do you do? Like, you just got to cut him. I mean, there's got to be somebody out there. Uh, some other stashes that we'll talk about in a second that I, I mean, I don't get how. Like, I'd rather have Isaiah Whitehead or uh, Karis LeVert. I'd rather have my boy. Um, yeah, you you got to cut Rondo. There's just no end in sight. So on the flip side, what are, what are we doing with Michael Carter-Williams? Another guy who is not very good. He had a good year in Philly, his rookie season, but it was all volume. Uh, he's not going to have that volume with Jimmy Butler and Wade and those guys. So I don't really see the appeal. But, I mean, I guess if he fits your team where you're punting field goal percentage and stuff and need some steals, some dimes, he's all right. But not someone I'm excited to pick up. Yeah, it's funny how similar he is to Rondo in that, <laughs> in that aspect. That Yeah, he'll help you in those two categories, assists and steals. He's going to hurt you in percentages. He's, uh, you know, high-volume turnovers. Um doesn't hit threes, so there's there's not a lot to like, and especially on a team with Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade handling the rock as much as they do, um, I just think his opportunities for assists are diminished. Um, so not not a lot to like. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we'll move on. Uh, some interesting stuff with two stashes that everyone kind of had 
earlier in the season. I I am a Chris Middleton stasher in the 30-man league that we're in. You and I face off, and I get you at a, at a good time. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a sec, maybe. And then also Ben Simmons. So just to give you the backstory, Middleton is doing some shooting stuff. He's starting to move around. He's hoping to target after the All-Star break. And Simmons is coming along, quote-unquote. It's a little bit tough to project. I mean, based on the process, they're going to probably take it easy on him. So comparing the two, who would you rather stash? Is it close? Or house? is the other person stashable at all? I mean, I, I don't think that Simmons is going to help you um, in points leagues, perhaps. Uh, you know, we've, we've said before he's probably going to be an interesting DFS play at certain nights. But in terms of 8-cat, 9-cat, like, I need to record myself saying that he's going to have high turnovers, low percentages, <laughs> he's going to have a minute limit, he's going to have back-to-back restrictions. It's There's just so much uh, impeding his value that I don't see that happening. So not eager to stash him. Um, on, the, on the other hand, with Middleton, you don't even know if he's going to play this season. You know, he's he's had some optimistic quotes lately, but we see that all the time with injured players. Uh, if he does come back, the Bucks are going to want him, you know, slowly ramping up to get him active for the postseason. So I don't think he's going to play heavy minutes. Uh, his original timetable had him coming back for maybe the final 12 games of the season. So you're looking at just the tail end of your fantasy playoffs <clears throat> with an incredibly rusty player coming back from a major surgery. So honestly, I'm not stashing either of these guys. Um, you mentioned that you have Middleton at 30 deep, and that's that's an extreme example with you know 360 guys owned in the league and so forth. So it makes sense there with an IR spot, but otherwise I'm avoiding both. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that one thing that helps Middleton is the Bucks are okay. They're seventh in the East, so that's going to be big. I mean, they're starting Tony Snell in his place, uh, just kind of like a placeholder. So I think they want him to come back, and I mean, they're usually... Not they're not the most careful team with injuries. Like obviously the Sixers are probably on the other end of the spectrum, but we see guys come back a little bit earlier. They are shady with these injury reporting things, but yeah, I, I'm a little intrigued on stashing Middleton. I mean, it's if you're in a good spot, like say you're in first, second, whatever, in a head-to-head, and you can afford to stash him, then yeah, sure. But I mean, if you're really battling and you're going to need that roster spot, then there's got to be other guys. Like even my, I'll mention them again. Karis Levert. I'd rather have. I'd rather stash him with Atkinson <laughs> talking him up because he's healthy now and he can play. Man, this kid's good. So yeah, I Karis Levert. What are your thoughts on Levert? I kind of fell in love with him uh, over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I like him a lot. His his debut was fascinating. He had like three steals in five minutes or something. And, um, we always knew he had a lot of upside. He was projected to be a lottery pick, except for all those uh, constant injury concerns that he had in college. So um, you're looking at a guy with a great opportunity. The Nets are going nowhere. They have every incentive to slowly give him more minutes, build him up. Uh, really see what they have. And you said it. I mean, Atkinson is just raving about him after every game recently. So I think I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. He's versatile enough. He can play a couple positions. Um, yeah, he's hitting threes. He's getting steals. He's got a couple other little you know assists and boards supporting um, his shooting. So I like him as a especially in deep leagues. I think grab him now. Uh, I think most other owners should just kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, what actually to kind of put you on the spot here, and I'll give my thoughts first. Uh, him versus Dragon Bender. I think they're kind of in similar situations, both on bad teams. Both with upside, I see 
Bender is like the Mirza Toledovich of that team. He's doing a lot of three-point shooting. He's actually a decent shot blocker. Has a, a half block in 12 minutes per game. So there's a little bit to like there. If he can hit that 23-24 minute, I think he can. Uh, he's out playing Marquise Chris right now. So if you had to stash either of those two, is it Levert? Is it Bender? I mean, again, uh, Levert's playing well. And Bender is oh, he's hit and miss. Like he got benched. He was headed for, I want to say, about 26-27 minutes. Uh, on Friday or Thursday, and he got benched because of foul trouble. So of those two, uh, we've talked about Levert, but how would you stack up Bender compared to him? It's yeah, that's tough. That's a tricky one. Um, I'd probably go with Levert. Um, I just kind of like his overall appeal a little bit more. But Bender's also an interesting stash. Part of what hurts him is uh, shooting forty point seven percent, and he's a combined one of six at the free throw line. So. <laughs> I'd be skeptical of him uh, getting heavy minutes and getting to the line more. He's also got 18 turnovers versus 10 assists. So there's certain parts of his game that I'd like to see shored up before I really get on a team bender. Nice. Yeah, uh, team bender sounds like a a, a bad team to be on. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like uh, I would take Levert, but I have I have Bender in a couple leagues. Uh, I I like what he can do. I like the the three point shooting upside. I think he can get to 1.4, 1.5 threes. Um, and then maybe get you a block. And that's solid. I, you got to love the three-point shooting block guys. A very rare breed. All right, so another big story, sticking with the Bucks was Malcolm Brogdon, man. Breakout game. Career, he had a first career triple-double. I love this guy. I loved him in summer league. Loved him in the preseason. And, man, Wally Pip status for for Mr. Dova Dova, I think. I think that Brogdon should just take that job and run with it, man. So I think you got to prick Brogdon up everywhere, um, pretty much plain and simple. But uh, how how are your thoughts on Bro- on your thoughts on Brogdon going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean I love him. He's uh, obviously the triple double was eye opening, and I think that's a little bit misleading. But I'm with you. I think there's no reason he shouldn't permanently take over from Delavadova. Um, this is a guy, he never averaged more than 3.1 assists in four years with Virginia, but the Bucks obviously see his potential as a point guard, and so far so good. He's He's been terrific. Um, he's shooting the ball well for a rookie, shooting 46% from the field, 86% from the line. Uh, this is a guy who can hit threes with consistency, which is something Milwaukee really needs. So I like, um, you know, that's just one more reason to get him in the lineup uh, permanently. You're talking, he's, he's already averaging one steal per game in just 23 minutes. Um, so yeah, he's kind of the total package. I really like him. Doesn't turn the ball over that much. So if you can still get him, I doubt you can, but you know, make sure that he's not on your waiver wire. Would you trade for him? I would trade for him. Like there's a lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, if the owner who picked him up, luckily, I mean, I, I would think that if he picked him up, he's probably knows what he has, but I, I think Brogdon's going to be top 100 going forward, maybe even more. Um, like he's, he's legit, man. Uh, great. great, Like you said, great shooter. Yeah, after uh, Embiid, who would you even argue as the yeah, second best no rest of season rookie? Yeah, like I, I tweeted out that um, like he was easily the best rookie guard. It's not even close. I mean, like Jamal what Murray, no. Yeah, right? Like Jamal Murray, Chris Dunn. Chris, did you see Chris Dunn's move last night, by the way? Yeah, that was ridiculous. Oh, my God. It's a dribble move, and then he followed it up with that sick pass. He, yeah. He you know, found an open shooter. I think it was Jang, knocked yep. down the jumper. That yep. was beautiful. And he made the jumper. That, uh, I tweeted it out, and people were like, oh, he missed a guy cutting the basket. Dude, how do you watch that and complain? I, I never understood that. Um, but yeah, getting back on Brogdon, this dude is a catch-and-shoot maestro, man. 70.6 K 
catch and shoot effective field goal percentage. That is crazy. Um, so yeah, like we said, we love that guy. Another guy who has come on, second year player, the Trez dispenser, Montrez Harrell. Uh, he has another great weekend from him. Had the big twenty nine point game. He looked pretty solid in the start. I think he's got this thing locked up. I think Nene is going to go by the wayside once Capella comes back. So I think it'll be when Capella comes back like a 26-22 kind of split. Um, so you got to pick him up now. But how do you feel about him, I guess, now and then when Capella comes back probably later this month? Yeah, um, basically just grabbing Harold, hoping that he keeps up his hot play of late. Uh, and then seeing what happens when Capella comes back. I mean, it's all gravy. You, you picked him up off the wire for nothing. So it's it's not going to hurt you if suddenly his minutes dwindle and you have to cut him loose. Um, but I, I also, you know, I mentioned that Brogdon's triple-double might have been a little bit of a, a little bit misleading, and I feel the same about Harrell. I mean, he's shooting almost 70% over the past five games. Uh, he's had just two turnovers in, in those five games, so he's been he's been awesome. Um, so, but even if the percentages come down, he's he's definitely worth owning short term, and then just see what happens long term. Yeah, he's also been killer at the line uh, in that yeah. twenty nine pointer. He went nine of eleven. He's seventy seven point three percent over his last five four point four attempts. Um, so yeah, he's been gutting almost a block a game now. He's he's solid. Definitely roll with him and see where it goes. I don't really love his long term upside. Because I think Capella is definitely safe. I mean, Capella had a huge, huge start to the season. He was making a run for most improved player. Uh, but yeah, definitely pick him up and see what happens. Like, But if you could trade him for something good, like I, I'd be all for that. Uh, moving on, we got to talk some heat. Uh, some good news, bad news. My boy, I could say, uh, Steve and I did a podcast two weeks ago. And I said I would never say Josh Richardson's name for the week. And I did. Um, but now, ever since I did that, he's been balling hard. So what? Are, I, I'm a Josh Richardson guy through and through. What What do you think about him going forward after this hot stretch? Uh, yeah, we've talked about him a bunch. For, <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> good and bad reasons. Uh, you know, coming into the season had very high expectations, and then trying to mitigate those and seeing what was going wrong for a while. Um, I think his uh, hand or finger injury was bu- was bugging him for a long time. Kind of. Uh, threw a shot off and that was really the issue he couldn't make shots and when you're shooting pretty high volume and you're inefficient it's just going to kill your value so yeah we, we've seen past four games he had three brilliant games um he's pretty good in, in the heat's last one he's got i think 16 assists in the past two games without Drogic. uh you know threes and steals are coming in bunches so it's it's all coming together, and the guy that we thought we were going to see preseason is finally arrived, and it took a while, but at least he's at least he's here now. So are you sold? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I think he's going to be great rest of the season. I don't yeah. think he's going to be quite as good as he's been the last week. Um, a lot of that just has to do with the Heat being so incredibly shorthanded <laughs> that it was you know all uh, Josh Richardson for their offense essentially. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I love him, man. Like, I think he's going to be a top 65, top 70 guy. I think he's, like, the Heat are bad. I mean, they're on a really bad losing streak. I think there's a pretty decent chance, and they should probably do it, trade Goran Dragic. Um, and as we've seen, Richardson, obviously they're not going to start Tyler Johnson, who's been ridiculously good as well. Um, but, yeah, you got to love Richardson um, as going forward. I mean, his, his splits are even all right with Gordon on and off. Um, so I don't think that this boost in productivity is based alone on just Dragic. Um, and again, you know me, I love guys who can play multiple positions. He plays three. So that's huge. Um, but yeah, he's a little bit of a sell hat, I guess, but you got to like him. Uh, okay, so let's talk some Hassan Whiteside. He got poked in the eye hard 
from Jay Crowder and missed Sunday's game. Looks like he's going to miss some more. Um, surprisingly, Willie Reed only got 18 minutes. Really, the big winner was James Johnson. Uh, he went off on Sunday, and he's been going off all season, man. He's in a the black belt is real. Uh, he he's a black belt guy. If you didn't know that, um, so what are we doing with James Johnson? Obviously, he's got to be picked up. Um, but do you value him going forward? He's always been a nice little kind of Swiss Army knife kind of a guy in the stat sheet with some blocks, some threes, a little bit of steel action. But yeah, James Johnson at the five was the go-to move against the Pistons of all teams. So he looks great. Yeah, I mean, it was mostly out of necessity. Their options were Willie Reed, who got into some quick foul trouble, and then you had uh, uh, Haslam played, a, I think, a season-high 21 minutes. But, yeah, it was all Johnson. He, he took full advantage, and he's been a low-end guy on the season. So I think with an expanded role in the short term, you just kind of pick him up, um, see how much value you can wring out of him, and if he starts to fade, go ahead and cut him for the next guy. He's not someone you're going to pick up and then flip for a better long-term asset because he's James Johnson. And, <laughs> Uh, you know, every owner kind of views him skeptically, and we've seen year after year he has a couple hot weeks, then he disappears. And um, so I don't think he's got a lot of cachet, but I think yeah, worth worth picking up if you've got a a soft spot at the end of your roster. For sure, I, that's it. You're not like you're not, no, you're not, not really, really too too high on him the rest of the season. I no. can't say. I'm pretty high on him. I don't think he's going to be a kind of difference maker. But I can see him being a top 100-ish kind of a guy. Um, again, they need help. Whiteside's pretty highly used nowadays. Uh, and obviously, being the league's leading rebounder, uh, there's some other stuff there too. So, yeah, I like him kind of a lot. Uh, and then what about Willie Reed? You have him in 30, man. So what are your what are your thoughts on him? Well, I was disappointed last night, I'll right. say that. <laughs> I was expecting, you know, a handful of blocks, a bunch of boards, but uh, just never quite got going. But unless Whiteside, I mean, I I don't remember what the MRI results were. I don't think they've announced it, have uh, they? No. Yeah, they just said that he had uh, increased sensitivity to light. So who knows? If he's out for, you know, if they rule him out for two to four weeks, obviously I would grab Willie Reed immediately. Um, but as as things stand, it looks like he's just day-to-day. So I don't I don't think Reed's worth touching outside of very deep leagues. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, most corneal abrasions can be tricky. I remember Stoudemire, Marty Stoudemire had a bad one. Cost him what, like two, three months? So it could be a little bit. It's like eye eye injuries are so hard to predict. So we just gotta yeah. kind of wait. But yeah, I mean, if you need a big man, I'm cool with that. I'd rather have Benders and Leverts and these other guys we're talking about. But yeah, Willie Reed's definitely intriguing. He's got upside, like you said. Uh, okay, so let's talk some Chandler Parsons real quick. I got a lot of questions about him. I was pretty high on him before he coming into the season, but man, he is gonna have a lot of restriction. I mean. All, like a crazy amount. I think it's going to be through the All Star break where he'll only be around 20 minutes. So if you want to staff Chandler Parsons, it's going to be really a long time before he gets going. Like it's almost like a Middleton kind of stash, but he does have, he probably has like top 150 standalone value, so he's not killing you there. But man, it, it's looking pretty bleak for him in the next month. Yeah, I was happy on draft day to let him just slide right past me. I took him at ninety. I took him at ninety eight, and I was pretty happy with that. But now I, yeah. I've, I've held on to him. I'm like, oh man. Luckily, I'm, I'm like kind of doing okay, but I'm pretty much not excited about owning him. Put it that way. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I get the draft day gamble. I mean, who knows? Maybe a month from now he's returning top 50 value. But at this point in the season, we've just seen, you know, he had that one uh, pretty long-term setback with a bone bruise in his left knee. Uh, the team is just treating him with kid gloves, you know. He, he hasn't played more than 23 minutes in a game all season. Uh, since, since he returned from that bone bruise, he hasn't played more than, I think, 16 or 18 in the game. So who knows when he's going to play 30 minutes. Um, it could be mid-February. It could be... Not until close to the end of the season. It could be two weeks. Uh, but he's just so frustrating. that, And you can't put him on your IR spot right now if you're playing by the rules because he's he's active. So I, I would just cut him, honestly. I'm not, I'm not into holding a guy who's going to play 18 minutes one night, have a DMP the next, and all along he's struggling with a shot to find a rhythm. So, uh, yeah, there's not much here for me. Levert or Parsons in a vacuum? Who would you rather have? Um, it kind of depends on my situation, yeah. but I guess I'd go with Levert because yeah. he's producing, and I, I just like his rest of the season um, outlook more. For sure, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, like you said, it depends so much. But in a vacuum, I'd probably take Levert. Uh, I'm just your run of the mill team, but if I'm doing well in the standings, then I'd probably lean Parsons. Um, yeah, you can gamble yeah, on them there. Yeah, a little much higher upside. Uh, okay, so we do our weekly buy low, sell high segment. Uh, we'll go with the buy lows first. Who you got for a buy low? I'm going to go with Mr. George Hill for Ooh. this one. Uh, I think, you know, his owners are just super frustrated. Uh, he can't stay on the court this season. Just gets back looking looking good after that toe injury, and he goes down with a concussion and a nasty uh, facial laceration. Required 18 stitches. But I think all these things are, are of the fluky variety, and he's not a player who just throws himself willy-nilly into the lane and, you know, f- almost forces injuries on himself, a la uh, Gerald Wallace, someone like that. <laughs> so I think I think he's going to be fine. I think as long as this concussion isn't of the you know, long-term variety, which we don't know right now. Um, but I think once he's back, his toe will have even more time to fully heal. Uh, he should be rested since he's only played in, I don't know, however many games this season. Like, um, So I think if, if owner's frustrated and you can prime away at less than uh, his actual value, which has been early round so far this season, uh, then go for it. Yeah, he's been so good, so efficient. I'm with that for sure. Um, he apparently had, his laceration was so bad that, uh, someone tweeted I could put like his finger through his mouth. <laughs> so so bad. Um, yeah, I've seen 18 stitches, 22 stitches. That's like you can't call him soft, man. That's that's tough. And um, to the point of the concussion, he looked like he was kind of with it when he was going to. We've seen some bad concussions where guys are really dazed and like staggering off the court, but he looked like he was kind of with it. So I don't think it's going to be too bad. He'll probably miss a couple more. But yeah, I love him. Uh, I'm yeah. going with another. Do you want to add something? No, I was just going to say, people in my uh, live chat today kept wanting me to, to say, like, how many games will George Hill have? <laughs> my response, I have no idea. I'm yeah. not a doctor. I'm not in his head. Uh, we saw, you know, Al Horford didn't even know he had a concussion until, like, 48 hours later when he started feeling off. Uh, he ended up missing a bunch of games. You've got, you know, a couple years back, Carlos Delfino missed, like, almost the entire season with a concussion. Yeah. And then you've got other guys who bounce back in a day. So it's... Head injuries, um, like you were saying, with eye injuries with Whiteside, just so tough to predict. So just just hang tight, and yeah. we'll know soon enough. If I had to guess, I'd probably say like two or three. Like I, yeah, I don't think he's going to be that's out that bad if, like, if I had to. Uh, okay, so I got a very similar case, a very injury point guard who's been awesome lately, and that's Mike Conley. Uh, I love what I saw to Mike Conley on Saturday. He looks so good. 
so in control of the offense. He's always been a good steals guy. His steals have kind of trended down. But I like the new offense. I think he's in a fantastic spot to be a top 25, 30 kind of a guy when he gets rolling. So uh, he said he didn't have any pain in his toe on Saturday. He, I didn't notice him favoring his left foot at all. I was kind of watching that. Um, so, yeah, I think Mike Connolly's about ready to roll. Um, and, again, I like, I, like, I like him more than Hill, to be honest. It's because these Hill things are crazy. Same with Connolly, too, with the, the back. I mean, you know, a transverse process fracture is not, like, a recurring thing. So he should be all good. Looks healthy. Uh, this toe thing should be fine. I was really encouraged. Uh, what are your thoughts on Connolly? Uh, yeah, I, I love him. Someone asked me recently if uh, what would I do in a trade, Conley or Valanchunas and Alfred Payton, and I was like, I didn't realize that Conley, you know, was being viewed as as uh, the equal of JV and Payton, because I think that's uh, clearly you go with Mike Conley there. Yeah, no question. Um, but yeah, obviously people, you know, some people are just down on him right now. I guess he's, he went through a little bit of a slump, and the back injury might have scared people off. But for sure, he's an early-round value. Um, the Grizzlies really need him to get going uh, as they chase the playoffs. And, yeah, I think he's that's a great buy-low. For sure. Um, what other, any other trends? Uh, let's just do on that. for. Uh, I'll go so high. But any other trends that you noticed in the chat while you think about that? I'll do my style high. I have Nicholas Batum. He is on fire right now. And he is so heavily built on jump shooting. And it's fallen right now. So his other stats are always going to be there, but I'm not quite sold he's going to be this top 20 kind of a guy that he's been over the past three, four weeks. He's been rolling. Um, so yeah, I'm not, again, I like him as like a top 40, but not this good. So uh, thoughts on Batum? Any other trends that you noticed from the chat? And then you're so high. Sorry to dump all that on you. <laughs> um, yeah, Batum I like as a sell high. I mean, I don't think he's going to fall off, but right. he's been phenomenal lately. And yeah, I think this is a little bit of a, a mirage in terms of what he's going to do across the board. So yeah, that's good. Um, trends in the chat. I'm trying to think. There was a bunch of questions about Nick Young. Like, is he okay. for real? Yeah, should he's I, the perennial. Putting stock in him. I was going to say, he's the perennial sell high, man. We talk about it like. Can we stop following yeah. him so high? He's been really good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I said in the chat, I was like, I, I struggle to uh, resign myself to the fact that Nick Young is actually a top 60 value right now. <laughs> and he's not stopping. I'm, I'm so used to him just, you know, he's hot one day and then ice cold for the next week. But, yeah, he's getting it done in just 26 minutes per game. So if you need three-pointers, you'll be hard-pressed to do, uh, do better than that. Do you think that he'll then, fall off with um, Walton talking about playing the younger guys more? Well, yeah, he and Lou Williams both, I, I've been expecting a sort of slow decline as we get towards the end of the season. Still too early in the year to see that, but I, for sure, I do expect both Young and Williams to be kind of taking a back seat uh, later in the year. Okay, cool. So who you got for a sell high? Uh, sell high, I'm going to go with kind of the opposite of my buy low. That was an injured player who I think is going to stay healthy. This is a healthy player who I think is going to get injured, <laughs> and that is Danilo Gallinari. Oh, good one. Uh, hardly even need to point out why he's such a phenomenal injury risk but he's playing really well at the moment um you know past three weeks i think he's averaging 18 points shooting really well uh, six boards two dimes one steal uh, almost no turnovers so he's he's killing it right now and i think this is just a prime opportunity to to trade him for max value yeah for sure uh you definitely catch him at the apex uh one other guy that uh i didn't have written down but i do want to talk about super quick uh, sticking with the Nuggets, is Emmanuel Moutier. He's been really good, uh, really efficient, too. Uh, his last eight, he's at 61.5 true shooting. 
which is almost like double what he was doing uh, for the first like three four months of his career. So uh, I don't know what it, I mean. You got to pick him up, but I don't. And I think that the the Jokic thing has been huge for him. Uh, I looked up a stat a few months ago that his shooting off Jokic Jokic's passes are like double percentage wise um, than what he usually is. So I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to buy him yet. I liked what he did in the off season. Uh, a lot of people talked him up. So I don't know if this is the Moutier that we're going to see. But I'm I'm encouraged for sure. A guy that I was not a fan of last year at all. Yeah, I'm, I've been so down on him that I'll, I'll say I didn't even realize that he was uh, trending up so so severely. I'm looking at his game log right now, and I'm kind of taken aback. Um, yeah, for sure. Pick him up. He's he's. Uh, draining shots from downtown. He went 10 of 10 at the free throw line uh, on December 23rd. That's huge for him. Um, yeah, so hopefully this is what we'll see. As you mentioned, in the offseason, there was a lot of hype about him, about how his shot was better, and uh, maybe we're starting to see that. Yep, so yeah, definitely. Uh, any other nuggets that you want to mix in here? Uh, what about Will, Will Barton's kind of been up and down? Uh, yeah, obviously, what, where are we at on Jokic? We were like, all right, hopefully he's like a top 60 guy. Now he's like a top 20 guy. Uh, are we sold on Jokic now or what? I mean, yeah, I was I was never entirely down on him, but right. for for a long stretch there, we had to kind of adjust our expectations and say maybe this isn't going to be the second round guy we thought we were getting on draft day. Um, but boom, here he is. Uh, I don't see any reason why he would he would cool off. Nurkic is no real threat. So good, man. Best passing big man in the NBA or what? That's a good question. He's got to be no up one's, there. No one's coming to mind yeah. to. Uh, to displace him, so yeah. he very well maybe. I think he is, man. It's pretty kind of not even close. Uh, I mean, Gasol, Marcus Gasol's up there, even Powell's up there, but and like the style in which he makes these passes, it's just uh, he's yeah. man. I, I thought that Friday, Friday night was such a great night. Uh, that game with Embiid and Jokic, and then the Cat versus Giannis game. Those were all at the same time. I was like losing my mind, man. I couldn't. I was blurbing <laughs> and I couldn't get anything done. <laughs> I was watching those games. Uh, okay, so let's get to the questions here. We got one from Stanley, uh, a detailed question here. He's asking us to rank uh, Drew Holiday, George Hill, Jeremy Lin, Avery Bradley, and Goran Dragic. I will start at the top, and I think that if I had to pick out, I'd probably go Bradley first. Uh, I'm a big Avery Bradley guy. Uh, so I would go Bradley. I would go... Probably Dragic. I think if he gets traded, he'll go to a good spot. Then probably George Hill after that. Then Drew. Then Reggie Jackson. And then Lynn last. Um, any differences? Where, where do you... uh, just, just barely. I'm, I'm tempted to go George Hill first. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I really like him. Um, in fact, I, I'll say that. I'll go Hill and then Bradley, then Dragic. A um, little bit worried about Dragic. I don't. I don't love mid-season trades. You're never quite sure how they're going to mesh with their new teammates, how long it's going to take them to pick up a new system. Um, so I, I very rarely look at a mid-season trade as a good thing, yeah. unless it's someone like Nerlens Noel or Greg Monroe who's just stuck in a, a low-minute role. That's the only way I view it. As yeah. a, we a, talked a about that with thing. Steve because um, he's in his best spot right now. Uh, Career-high usage rate, his assists are good. So wherever he goes, he's going to lose value for sure. Yep, and then after Dragic, uh, I also have Holiday, Jackson, and then Lynn last. Cool. What are we? Are you are you stashing Lynn or what? I don't even care, man. I'll cut him. Okay, he's gonna yeah. be out so long. 
I haven't had to make that decision because I haven't owned him anywhere, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, the Nets are just treating him so carefully. He's one of the few guys with a long-term contract, and they've got enough young guards that they probably want to take longer looks at. So I I don't like it uh, going forward at all. Yeah, I don't like it at all. I almost would rather have Mr. Levert. Um, man, I love when we have these just random like guys just become hot topics. It always happens, and it's Karis Levert today. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Josh Padmore is asking... Better for fantasy, Miles Turner or the process? Man, I, I, it has to be, you have to really sway me one way to say not the process, but it's Miles Turner, and it's probably not even close. I love Miles Turner, man. Uh, the block rate's solid. Uh, he's so good on jump shots. He's just phenomenal. Um, just everywhere, besides assists. Uh, just a fantastic fantasy asset. Yeah, and I it, to some extent it would depend on your format, but I think in almost any league, uh, Miles Turner is going to take the cake. Now, if you're talking long term, that starts to get closer because Embiid's only averaging 25 minutes, but he's still flirting with top 50 value. I mean, we we don't know what he's capable of. Um, but right now, his 3.8 turnovers per game compared to Miles, I don't know where he's at, but like one and a half. Um, that's a huge difference in nine cat. Um, you know, Embiid's going to hurt you with percentage a little bit. Turner just helps you everywhere. He doesn't hurt you at all. Hits threes, blocks a lot of shots. Yeah, he's terrific, and I'd, I'd easily take Turner here. Yeah, I would too. So, uh, again, hard for me to say that, but Miles Turner is my boy. Uh, he's going against you in 30 deep, man. He's going to get you. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you mentioned at the top that you were you were up against me in a good spot because I got Chris Paul's hurting for my team. I got a Fournier with a heel injury. Marcus Smart's in the hospital. So, <laughs> In a in a league with you know it's tough to have a lot of quality depth in a league that deep uh, so my team's in trouble. Yeah, I got I had a pretty good day on Saturday. I have James Harden, so that worked out pretty well. <laughs> man, can we talk some James Harden super quick? I mean, is he going to be this? I mean, he's so good, man. Like, what are what are our thoughts on Harden now? Just he's good. Period. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, he's been great all season long. Um, Kind of kicked it into a a new gear the past week, but he's just ridiculous. He's the everything for that team, and it's a perfect system. He's surrounded by perfect personnel. Uh, It's just it's awesome if you want. Yeah, do you think he holds the assist lead all season? Uh, yeah, for sure. I don't see anyone catch. He's I think two assists ahead of the next closest person. He's just out of his mind right now. He's um, at 12 now. It's crazy. And I think regardless, I mean, the five five and a half turnovers per game kill him in nine cap, but I, you got to look at him as the number one overall option, right? Yeah, I don't even think it's, I mean, it's close, yeah. I guess, but I think with the way the Warriors are going to treat their guys, um, then yeah, I think I, if I drafted today, I wouldn't even think twice. And I've always been the hard number one guy. And yeah, like he's man for sure. Like you, like there's guys who have like, Obviously, if you drafted Westbrook, because I mean, he's not that he's not as great as everyone thinks he is. If you look at the stats, because he's kind of inefficient. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, I, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Uh, so let's just move on. Aquib's uh, asking, would you rather have Sean Kilpatrick or Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Uh, I'll go first there. I guess uh, I'd prefer Hollis Jefferson. I just think he's got. Uh, superior versatility, um, whereas Kilpatrick's main strength is just perimeter shooting. And anytime you go to the waiver wire, three-point specialists are available. So I'm, I wouldn't be too keen to lock up that category. Um, so, yeah, I just think, you know, RHJ hasn't been that impressive this year, but I think he's 
there's another level he can reach, and the Nets are going to try to get him there um, as the season progresses. Yeah, I'm with that for sure. Um, I think that they like him in that second unit. Um, his minutes are starting to trend up a little bit. They were hanging in like the the low 20s. Now I think they're coming up to the upper 20s, which is big. Uh, we haven't really seen. I wanted to see like 1.7, 1.8 steals out of him, and it hasn't really mm-hmm. been there. Uh, it has been kind of lately. He's had a few double steal games. So yeah, I would take Rondé. Uh, I think that Kilpatrick may have better short term value because uh, his I think his assist percentage doubles uh, with on off splits on Jeremy Lin. So Lin being out helps him huge. Uh, but yeah, I would take Rondé there. Uh, so Coach G's asking, who would you rather own, Aaron Gordon or Nikola Mirotic? Ugh. Tough one. Yeah, I did not like this question. <laughs> Both guys are really frustrating. Both guys have considerable upside. Um, both guys can hit threes and give you some blocks. So it's it's an interesting pairing. Uh, I guess I guess I'd go with Miritich. I don't know. This is a toss up for me. Do you have a, do you have a strong opinion one way or the other? No, I mean if they're both sitting on the wire and I see them there, I'm looking for other guys on the wire. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, if I had to pick, I guess Gordon. Uh, I really don't like what Hoiberg's doing with the rotation. Uh, I think that the Cristiano Felicio thing's for real. Uh, I think that he kind of throws a, a, another wrench in this situation. So if Felicio's getting minutes, that takes away from Taj getting minutes at the five. Um, yeah, it's just I, I just don't I just don't see Miritich's upside like I used to see it last year. Um, and again, mm. if, if you're off the bench, I'm cool with that. But I want you to be off the bench and be getting a consistent role every night. And that's just not the case. Uh, even though they need him to shoot. And I think the Rondo thing kind of helps him a little bit. But, yeah, I, I would take Gordon, but I wouldn't be happy about it. Uh, so Eddie's asking, what are our thoughts on D'Angelo the rest of the season? Another guy who's, if Nick Young is our perennial sell high, I think D'Angelo is our perennial buy low. Uh, we haven't really seen him kick it into gear yet. So I'm a D'Angelo owner, and I'm still holding out a lot of hope. I know jo- Jonas and I chatted the other day, and we both like him to get hot. I mean, he's one of my favorite buy-low players, but I can't pick the same buy-low guy every ga- every pod. Um, so what are, your, what are you doing with D'Angelo? Yeah, I like him. And I think I had the same question in my chat where he was asking um, – you know, did I did I win a trade where I, I sent Wade to another owner and got D'Angelo Russell back? And my response was, yeah, I think that's yeah. a brilliant trade. I think that the timing is impeccable. Um, you know, you've waited out some some quiet months from D'Angelo to start the season. Uh, you've got Wade who's trending down and D'Angelo trending up. I think the yeah, it's just the perfect intersection um, at which to to make that deal. And I'm with you. I'm a little bit worried about Russell, you know, shooting below 40% from the field, below 80% from the line, which you don't like to see from your point guard. But uh, even so, just high volume threes, the assists, boards, a lot of potential for steals. Um, and the Lakers are just going to turn him loose. So um, I'm with you. I think uh, second half, he could be an absolute beast. Yeah, the, the thing that burned me, I had D'Angelo really high. Um, so I'm missing on that so far, but one thing we missed, and really everyone missed, it was the unreported MRI in his knee in, I think, October, um, and that never got out until uh, he was out, uh, until mm-hmm. he missed time, so that really got him to a slow start. Man, great game Sunday, huh? 28 points, 5 dimes, no turnover, 6 threes. Yeah, I love D'Angelo, and if I'm drafting today, I'd probably win, say, I was like 4th round-ish. If I'm mm-hmm. drafting today, I'd probably still take him like 5th, 
I, I have a lot of faith in D'Angelo going forward. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I, I, I get the sense that he's just going to be beasting right when the fantasy playoffs come around. Yeah, like so, the, to go. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, so that's just that's always something to look forward to, and um, it's not like he's hurting your team right now. So I think it's it's great to have him uh, on your on your squad. Yeah, to go back to that guard question where we had Bradley and George Hill at the top, I think D'Angelo maybe next over the Drogic, Reggie Jacksons, Drews, and all those guys. I think D'Angelo's going to be legit. Yeah, I might take Drogic over him, but yeah. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably take Russell over Drew, Jackson, certainly Lynn. So yeah, for sure. All right, so we are through. There's some questions that are on Twitter that we can hit super quick. Um, let's see here. Mike Conley for Al Horford's a good one. Uh, I would still take Horford as much as I talked about Mike Conley, but that's a that's a pretty somewhat fair trade. Like if that trade was made, I'd be like, oh, nice trade. Yeah, for I don't know why, but I have such a man crush on Al Horford, <laughs> especially in nine cat leagues. I just I think he's really underappreciated. Uh, so I would I would take him over Conley. Yeah, same here. And then uh, same question, uh, same person, uh, Al Horford for Mo Harkless and D Loading. I think he's still as much as I talked up D Loading D'Angelo. I still you still got to take Horford there. What was the deal? It was Horford, uh, Horford or... for D'Angelo and Harkless. So it's probably oh, that's not even close. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Horford's legit, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, anything else you want to add here? What anything got cooking? You know what you're doing for your uh, numbers game yet? I have no idea. Nope. What, what I don't know do what I'm doing Wednesday's tomorrow. Column. Um, yeah. I just posted a <clears throat> DFS column on the daily side of the site. If you guys want to check that out? Nice. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm writing about tomorrow, but uh, it'll probably be about NBA or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard about it. I can't wait to see uh, what they do with Okafer and those guys back because Okafer and Noel haven't played together. I think uh, Embiid and Noel have played together for eight minutes, so that's kind of something I want to see happen a little bit more. Yeah. All right, do you want to add something on that? What, no, I just I know you love your messy rotations, so that's got to be like a a pig in mud for you watching those Sixers games. Yeah, man. I love I love seeing that with uh and the Nuggets too. That they've been they they've kind of streamlined it though. Uh and I think well Brett Brown really talked about switching up the rotation once the calendar turns to 2017. So mm-hmm. that's for sure something I'm going to be watching this week. I want to see what they do with with their bigs. All right, so we are out of here on that. Great pod as usual. Happy New Year to everyone and thanks for coming on, Ryan. All right, see you, Mike. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.